thank you guys for being here. I really appreciate it. It's, um, this is very humbling for me to have the opportunity to be with you. And uh, the reason why I say that is because this is not my full-time job, and I hope that by the end of the service you say, yeah, I can tell it's not your full-time job, Chris. So, <laughs> No, actually, I work in, uh, in hospital administration, and I work as uh, an administrator of finance and operations, but my heart's here, and uh, I very much love and appreciate the opportunity for you giving a chance to the new guy. And I'm sure if I was in your position, you might be thinking, who is this guy, and what does he have for us? And, um, and I, I hope to live up to the expectations that HL just shared. But um, uh, this is something that, that I wrestle a great deal with whenever I have the time to do this. And the reason why I say that is because I often feel that uh, if, if, if I'm ever going to share anything with anybody else, it's something that I should have first taught to myself. And so uh, the way that I back into weekends like this and opportunities where I get to share is I ask myself one fundamental question. And that question is, Chris, what has God been sharing with you lately? And what are you going to do about it? And I can't take credit for that. A good friend of mine posed me with that question. And it was something that kind of blew me away when I heard it. And the reason why that's so impactful for me is because there's accountability there and there's responsibility there. And as I walk into a weekend like this and I prepare a message, uh, which I have for you this morning, I hope that you can see the ownership in all of this when you hear me talk about this, because this is something that, uh, it's a topic that I've been wrestling with for several years. It's, uh, it's hard for me to want to talk about and be transparent with you, but I think the person up here should do that. I think they should be what I like to call painfully transparent and where they fall short, because we're all in this boat together. And the person up here doesn't always have it together. And so if, if nothing else, you're probably going to hear me showcase that today. So, you know, when I think about this morning and I think through, all right, you know, if you're thinking about me and what's this guy and what are his qualifications? Uh, I do have an educational background in theology. I actually didn't make it all the way through seminary. So you can kind of say that I'm a seminary dropout, which I'm a little bit proud of. But at the same time, I think there's, uh, uh, I've, I've learned a great deal through that experience. And I hope what you gain from me is going to be helpful for you today. So what do we want to talk about? This is pretty cool, by the way. Oh, this iPad works. It's pretty slick. You know, as I, um, as every year goes by, I find myself in this situation of, it just seems as though that life just keeps getting busier. It doesn't seem to be slowing down. As I shared with you earlier, this is not my full-time job. I work on average anywhere between 50 to 60 hours a week. I have text messages that are work-related that start usually around 5.30 in the morning. They often don't end until late into the night. I have emails that are accessible by phone. Obviously, everyone, you're all in the same boat in terms of the accessibility of technology nowadays. In addition to my demanding work schedule, I have professional accreditations. I have things that I need to stay on top of. I have additional graduate programs that I want to participate in, and I have a trajectory within which my profession is going to be continually pulling me away from those things that I deeply care about, my family, my children, my spouse, my hobbies, things that I really enjoy. But it just seems as though that life just isn't getting any slower. It just seems to be getting busier the older that I get. And as I look at that and I think through, okay, I'm wrestling with this idea of time and where is all this coming from? You know, recently, I've been, I've been really trying to hear as to what 
I believe that God has asked me to share with you this morning. And it's something that I've really been struggling with myself. And that's this idea of quality time with God. And what does that look like? Because for me personally, it hasn't been characterized by quality. It's been time that's rushed. It's been time that is short. It's time that I would like to be longer than what it currently is. And I'm struggling with that, and I'm wrestling with it, and I'm thinking through, okay, what, what do you want me to share in this moment about how I've fallen short, how I've missed the mark in terms of the time that I'm spending with you? Because as life continues to get busier, that time with him continues to get less. And I don't like that. And if you're like me, you don't like that. Here's how this kind of unfolds with me. And if I'm sitting down to read the best new book that has been illustrated through social media or it's been proposed online in terms of this book is going to get you closer to God. And I take the time to sit down and I think through, all right, this is time that I'm going to intentionally spend with God and I'm going to read this book. Oftentimes, as I'm reading through this book, I feel as though that the author is just more holier than, that, than I am, that he or she just seems to get it more than I do that for some reason their relationship with God and their encounter with him is just so much more transactional. It just seems to click. And I'm reading this book and I'm thinking, I'm nothing like this person. I, I'm, I'm not where they are. And how come they get it and I don't get it? And so I walk away from that experience thinking, that didn't draw me any closer to God and it frustrates me. And then I think through, all right, what if the time that I'm spending with him is just going to be characterized by prayer, right? If I'm going to sit down and I'm just going to have this intentional time with him where I'm going to pray, there's so much that goes into that that, is so, that is, I just feel like I'm falling short. So, for instance, did I say the right things? Did he hear me? Is there a cadence that I should adhere to? Or am I being respectful enough? Am I being reverent enough? Am I being disrespectful? It, it, it sometimes it feels like I'm talking to a wall, if I'm very honest. And so I, I think about that prayer time and I think, gosh, you know, I'm just, I must be doing this wrong. Because this encounter with him, this time that I'm spending with him that I've carved out is one that just is not characterized by quality. And it breaks my heart. It really bothers me. You know, and then if I you know, take it a step further, and let's say that I'm actually sitting down to, to read through Scripture, right? We've all been there. You sit down and you read the Bible. And I'm just going to walk you through a couple examples of how embarrassing this is. But this is what happens to me. You know, I'll sit down and I'll read the five loaves and the two fish, right? I mean, we've heard that story. If you've been in church for any amount of time, you've heard this story. Jesus has this massive crowd of people. It's right around the time when he preaches the Sermon on the Mount. And everybody's starving. And so he, he has this brilliant idea of, well, let's, let's take these, these two fish and these five loaves of bread, and we're going to multiply them across all of these individuals that are here, the thousands of people that gathered. And he creates this miracle. And, and this is exactly what it says in, in Mark 6, 4, 1. He says, Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, and he looked up toward heaven, and he blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute to the people. And he also divided the fish for everyone to share. I've heard that story. You've probably heard that story. But this is what happens to me when I'm reading that story. I'm thinking, when's the last time I went fishing? 
Oh, yeah, I remember. I was up in North Dakota. I was with my father-in-law and a good friend of ours, and we were fishing for walleye. And, and that day was so frustrating because my buddy kept catching all the fish, and I'm standing right next to him. I'm using the exact same lure. He's catching all these fish. I'm not catching anything. And although it was a great day, it was annoying to the, the fact that he was catching all the fish and I wasn't. And if we didn't have, the, if we didn't have him, obviously we would have starved that night because we didn't have anything to eat. And now that I think about it, the fish probably could have used a little more salt. And I would have loved to have baked potato. That's where my mind is. As I'm, as I'm reading this scripture verse, I'm not paying any attention to what's actually going on in the text. That's what I'm thinking. You know, another example, that this just happened the other day. The prodigal son. So everybody know that story? You hear the story in scripture where uh, Jesus tells this, this parable of uh, the younger brother coming to his father and saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. I wish you were dead because I want my inheritance today. I'd like for you to give it to me. And the dad reluctantly, as his heart is broken, he gives it to his son. And his son goes away. And sure enough, he's, the scripture says that he squandered it. He squandered these funds on wild living and, and spending it with women. And he was, just, he, he was making some, some poor choices. And this is exactly what it says. It says that uh, in Luke 13, Jesus says, you know, a few days later, the son packed up all his belongings. I'm sorry, I'm a little behind here. There we go. And um, moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money on wild living. And about the time that his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him to go to his fields and feed the pigs. And the young man became so hungry that, he, that even the slop that he was feeding the pigs looked good to him to eat. And if you've been in church, you've heard that story before. And when I'm reading this passage, what I'm thinking is, I wonder if Wilbur's still alive. <laughs> and Wilbur was, a, was a, a pet that my dad had adopted. And it was uh, right around the time of junior high school, and he was a little piglet, right? He was adorable. He was just this black little pig, and you could hold him in your arms for hours, and he'd sleep, and you could, you could actually tickle him, and he'd, he'd kind of snort and laugh. And, and he had these little tiny little hooves that would run across the wood floor, and, but he never showed up on Saturday morning, because Saturday morning we would cook bacon. And I know, terrible pig owners, right? But this is what we would do, and, and he would never be around. And, and, I'm, and this is what I'm thinking when I'm sitting down to read scripture, when I'm reading this passage. This is what's going through my mind. And, and I just find myself in this place of, what am I doing wrong? I want this quality time with God. I so desperately want it. But maybe I have ADHD. I don't know what my deal is, but I struggle in these areas. And what I believe that God's been teaching me re recently to me, has been simply profound, and, uh, and you know, we're, we're going to get into that. But let's look at you. I mean, maybe it's not your fault, right? I mean, that's what goes through my mind. Maybe it's just not my fault that I'm not connecting this way. Like, let's say you're a high school student, for instance, and you're, you're, you're here this morning, and you've got all the pressures and the frustrations that come with being in school. You've got extracurricular activities. You've got friends that you have to pay attention to. You've got school, obviously, that you have to do well in. And you've got all these obligations that roll into what it's like to be a student. When do you find time for God in the midst of all that? Well, what if you stack, stack up that, uh, or step up that academic performance? Let's say you're in college, right? Graduate, undergrad, or undergraduate versus graduate programs, and you've, you're on a trajectory now. 
you're trying to figure out who you want to be for the rest of your life during this intentional time in your life. You're carrying 15 to 18 credit hours. Let's say that you've got, gosh, if you're a collegiate athlete, forget it. That's just, that's another job in and of itself. And then you've got student government or other things you're interested in. And all the while you're developing your value set of the type of person that you want to be for the rest of your life. And by the way, what you want to do forever until the time that you retire. When do you find time for God in that? I mean, you're up early, you're, stu you're studying late at night, sometimes you're pulling all-nighters. It's exhausting. But let's say you're out of college. Let's say you're in your career. Maybe you're like me. You know, maybe you're, you're working 50, 60 hours a week, and gosh, the, the rate at which the marketplace moves, you've got text messages and emails and calendar invites and, and, and meetings and, uh, and, and work-related obligations that you have to attend to. And you are pursuing your career with everything that you've got because you want to do well. You want to bring your family into the next stage of what lifestyle might look like. That can be exhausting. And in the midst of that stage, where I find myself today is, where do I find time for God in that? And, and is that time with him one that's characterized by quality? Maybe it gets a little more complicated. Maybe you're starting a family. Maybe it's the first time that you've got the, the little ones in the home and you can hear the, the, the footsteps on the floor and the toys and the noise. Gosh, some of those toys, boy, do they make some obnoxious noises. And the, the, the movies, how many times can we watch another Disney movie? You know, I mean, you just, there are these stages in life where you find yourself wondering which way is up. For instance, my brother and sister-in-law just had a new baby boy a couple of weeks ago. And we're talking with them on the phone and, and we said, how are you guys doing? They said, oh, we're doing all right. We got to bed at eight o'clock. We're like, wow, you, the baby's sleeping like eight o'clock at night? And they said, no, we fell asleep at eight o'clock this morning. It's like, oh my gosh, try getting up and going to work that day. You know, I mean, it just, it just all seems to be so overwhelming and it just doesn't seem to be stopping anytime soon. And, you know, as your kids get older, yeah, the sleep deprivation probably goes away, but the worry and the, the logistics of all that they're involved in as they're going through school, driving them back and forth to their appointments, their extracurricular activities, their sports-related events, you're being pulled in every different direction at any given time. And, and I don't know if you're like me this morning, but it just seems like life is not slowing down. It just seems to be getting busier the older that I get. Now let's add in technology. Nobody does this, right? Neither do I. Yeah. No one texts and they drive. But this is the world we live in. You got to answer that question. You got to get back to that person. You got to answer that email. You got to answer that, that text conversation. You got to chime in. You got to be there. You got to be present with these devices that seem to impermeate our, our, our world in a way that they never have before. You've got social media platforms. That, that, by the way, the developers of these platforms have psychologists working on their staff to find ways in which they can make this as addictive to you as possible so that you physically can't pull away from this device. I mean, we know these things and we're engaged in all of this activity. 15 years ago, this stuff wasn't here. It wasn't around. 20 years ago, I mean, you could leave work at work. We can't do that now. Work is available on your cell phone. It's in your pocket. 
You get a text message that's work-related, you're accountable. you got to answer it. And God forbid you're on call, and sometimes you're up late in the middle of the night, and you're up the next day, and it, you know, technology is, is infiltrating our lives in a way that, and I, sometimes when I talk like this, I feel like I'm such a grandpa, but forgive me. I just, I wish for a simpler time, right? In a lot of ways, these are wonderful things, but my gosh, it just doesn't seem to be slowing down. You've got these appointment reminders and calendar reminders that are always pervy and they're always on your schedule. They're always showing up. So sometimes I just find myself at this place of, I just feel like I'm missing the mark in my quality time with God. And I don't find any freedom there. And as I've been listening to what I believe he's been sharing with me, that's where he wants me to go. He wants me to explore that. And that's why I'm here this morning, is to hopefully provide some solutions. And things that have been helpful to me will hopefully be helpful to you. So what does God say about all this, right? What does he possibly have to share about spending time with him? You know, in researching this topic, the one thing that really jumped out at me, which, and I've heard this before, is this idea of going away, going away to spend time with God. In this passage in Matthew, Jesus instructs us how to pray. And this is what he says. When you pray, go away. Go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. And I think, okay, it's important to him that I go away. Why? Why is that important? Because he wants my undivided attention. He wants this time between me and him. So he physically wants me to get up and to move out of my circumstances, to move out of what might be distracting to him. And there's several examples of this throughout scripture. In the book of Mark, it says that Jesus awoke very early in the morning, and while it was still dark, he got up, he left the house, and he went to a solitary place. In the book of Matthew, it says that he went to a mountainside by himself to pray. In the book of Luke, it says that Jesus went up to the mountainside to pray again, and he spent the entire night praying. And then finally, in Luke, it says that when it was day, early in the morning, he departed, he physically left and went to a desolate place to pray. And so I think, okay, it's important. It's important to God that I physically remove myself from where I currently am to go to a quiet place to be with him. I don't know what that looks like in your life, but in my life, that's, that's a, it's a physical place. It's a room in my basement. It's a quiet room. Or it's a place in my backyard where I know that I'm not gonna be interrupted. It's a place that I can go to to experience his creation, if only for a moment, right? That's important to him. But he goes on. He says, when you pray, don't babble on and on, for your father knows what you need before you even ask him. And I think that bears repeating. When you pray, don't babble on and on. Your father knows exactly what you need before you ask him. So this was tough for me. When I got to this point in the passage, I thought, all right, don't babble on and on. When I go to pray with you, 
don't babble on and on. Why? If you know exactly what I'm going to ask you before I even ask it, then forgive me, but what are we doing here? Right? I mean, let's just be honest. I'm struggling with the idea of carving out this time with him, this intentional time, knowing how busy life is, if I'm going to go and spend time with him and he knows exactly what I'm going to say before I even say it. So why would I do that? To me, it just seems like, and forgive me, a waste of time. It doesn't seem productive. And I've really been wrestling with that, and I've thought, why is that? Why would he say that? Why would Jesus instruct us to do this? And so I've thought through that. And I've thought to myself, okay, what does that look like? And this is a place where I've arrived in this. Maybe, maybe, it's not about asking. Maybe it's not about me just always communicating when I'm with him. Maybe it's just about being with him, right? Maybe that time should be one that's characterized just by being with him in this quiet place, just being with him. Does that make you feel uncomfortable? It makes me feel uncomfortable. To think that I'm not supposed to have an agenda, to think that I'm not supposed to have questions ready or a scripted prayer or a formula through which I should walk through, to think that that time that I should spend with him should be one that's just being present. That's enough for him? That's hard for me. I don't know if that's hard for you. The idea that that is what that environment is supposed to look like. And then I think through the examples that he said in some of the scriptures that we just touched on. I mean, think about this with me, if you would, for a minute. We know that when Jesus went to pray, and this is just this, me imagining this to be true, because the text isn't incredibly clear here, but we know that when he went away to pray all night, when he's on the mountainside or in the Garden of the Gethsemane, the night before that he was crucified, it's, he wasn't praying the entire time. It's not as if God couldn't get an edge, a word in edgewise, right? The communication wasn't always from one direction. It was, it was, it was transactional. It goes both ways. And then I compare that experience to my experience. And when I go away to spend time with God, I'm doing all the talking, all the time. I'm not being with him. I'm simply not being present with him. And so, no, my time with him does not look like what I believe Jesus' time looked like with him. And so here's how this makes sense to me. Oftentimes, when I have a, a very difficult theological frustration where my life comes into a crossroads with what I believe that Jesus is teaching me, I try to think of it through the lens of being a dad. Those of us who are parents in the room, hopefully you'll be able to understand this illustration. And this is also applicable just to your personal relationships as well if you don't have kids. But 
forgive me. Um, I get emotional thinking about this. When my son or my daughter, I've got a five-year-old son named Jack and a three-year-old daughter named Hallie. When they come to me and they say, Dad, would you spend time with me? My heart melts because absolutely, I can't wait to spend time with you. I don't even care what we're doing. I just want to be with you. Of course, I would spend time with you. There's no agenda. There's nothing that we have to do. It's just being with them. And then I think, clearly, this is the way that God sees it, right? Because he's a father. He tells us he's our father. He asks us to call him daddy through the Greek translation of the word Abba. It's this intimate relationship that he's calling us to. And I think, okay, that makes sense. You just want to spend time with me where you just want to be with me. Because that's how I see spending time with my kids. That's hard for me. It's hard for me to think that this is how he wants his time with me to be characterized. And I would imagine that this is how he wants his time with you to look like as well. Sometimes it's just enough just to be with him. So what does that look like? Practically. You know, as we think through this, one thing that is incredibly helpful to me is I think about the book of Revelation. There's this passage in chapter 3, and it goes into this incredible illustration where the author talks about this relationship with God. And what he says is this. It's as if God is standing at the door. And the author says, God stands at the door and he knocks. He stands at the door and he knocks. And he says, if you can hear my voice, open the door. Let me in. And here's what I think about when I read that. God wants to be invited in to time with me. He doesn't barge in. He's not going to knock down the door. He wants to be invited in to time with me. He's not going to force his way into my life. He wants to be invited in. And I don't do a good job of that. I don't know if you do a good job with that. And it's not because I don't want to, and I'm sure it's not because you don't want to. It's because life is busy, and it just doesn't seem to be slowing down. If I want him to whisper into my life, I've got to find a different way of doing this. So if I know he's a father, and if I know that he's wanting to be invited into a relationship with me, and I know that the time that he wants to spend with me is characterized by going away, by this private interaction with me, one that's not scripted, one that doesn't have to be filled with perfect prayers, one that doesn't have to have the right words. What does that time look like? Because this is all has to be practical, right? It's helpful to kind of hear some of these things, but if it's not practical, if you can't take it away and use this tomorrow morning or throughout this next week, then all of this is just, it's not what it should be. So let's look at this practically. Well, we know for one thing, 
It has to be scheduled. This time has to be priority. And if you're not scheduling it with him, then it's probably not going to happen. I'm just being honest because, as I shared in the beginning, this is a message that I'm sharing with myself before I ever share it with anybody else. So if I'm going to spend this time with him, it has to be scheduled. It's got to be on the calendar. It's got to be something that I know that I'm going to wake up to and spend some time in the morning doing. Or if it's time at night, it has to be scheduled. The second thing that I think is vitally important, when I go away, I'm going to leave my cell phone. Please don't bring your cell phone into that time with him. There's too much distractions associated with that. You don't need your Bible on your cell phone. Because we're going to walk through an application here where it's just you. It's just going to be you. One of the other things that we talked about this morning, which we know is vitally important to him, is physically going away. Removing yourself from your circumstance. Finding a quiet place. And I don't know what that looks like to you. If it's a room in your home, if it's a place where you can physically go to, be in, to encounter nature, go there. It's important to him that you do that. That's what Jesus was clearly modeling. So here's where it get, gets interesting. And this is what I want to challenge you this week. I want you to take five minutes, just five minutes, to walk through this practice of just simply being with God. We can all afford five minutes, right? Just one time this week, I'm asking you to do this. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be difficult to quiet your mind. But I want you to try this. I've tried it. It's been a struggle. Here's what this looks like during that five-minute time frame. As you leave your cell phone away, as you go to that quiet place, I want you to focus on your breathing. You're in this quiet place. You're sitting down. Your eyes are closed. You're actively trying to be present with God. I want you to focus on your breath. You need something to focus on. As you take a deep breath in, I want you to feel it filling your lungs. And then as you take a deep breath out, I want you to feel that exhale take place. Nothing else is on the agenda except focusing on your breathing, being grateful to the gift that God has given you, which is this gift of life. If that's not uncomfortable enough, let's take it a step further. Because some of you are like me and you think, Chris, you're asking me to sit there for five minutes with my eyes closed, sitting down, and just to focus on my breathing? I don't know if I can do that. All right, then try this with me if you would. I want you to think through a verse in scripture that you know by heart. Maybe you don't have one memorized. Maybe you can read it before you go into that five-minute time with him. But this is what I want you to do during that time. With your eyes closed, sitting down in that private place, I want you to think of that verse. 
And as you think through that verse, and as you see it across your mind's eye with your eyes closed, I want you to pay particular attention to the words within that verse. And if any one of those words seems to be larger or seems to jump out of you or mean more to you during that day than any other time frame, I want you to focus on that word. And I want you to think through it. Here's what this looks like practically, okay? Psalm 23. I did this the other day. Trying to think through this, spending five minutes of uninterrupted time with him, with my eyes closed, and I'm thinking of this verse. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid, for you are with me. I'm thinking of that verse. I'm seeing it. And the word that jumps out of me is afraid. I'm thinking, I don't want to focus on that word. But I'm pressing into this, and I'm thinking, all right. And I'm asking quietly, not audibly, God, what am I afraid of? Show me what I'm afraid of. Help me to overcome what it is that is surrounded by fear. Give me the strength. That's what this time looks like. That's what this quiet, focused time on a verse that you can recall looks like. You're making that verse your own. And it's my hope that he's going to speak through that verse to you in that reflective moment. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to make all of you feel really uncomfortable. Just kidding. It's not going to be that bad. What I'd like to do for the next 90 seconds, 90 seconds, I want to practice this, okay? And then I'm going to be done. And then HL is going to come up and he's going to close us out. On the next slide, there's going to be a verse. It's a very simplistic verse. You've probably heard it before. I want you to look at that verse. And in your seats, I want you to be comfortable. I want you to close your eyes. And just do this with me. I know it's strange. I know it's different. It's probably something you haven't practiced in church. But if we know that we know that life is not going to slow down, we have to be intentional about this time with him. And I want you to try something new. So at the risk of making you feel uncomfortable, I want you to try this with me. I want you to see this verse that's going to show up on the screen in a moment. I want you to close your eyes. And for 90 seconds, I want you to think about that verse. And I want you to ask God quietly, what is he telling you? And what are you going to do about it?
I don't know where I heard this prayer, but uh, the ancient Celts had an old prayer that they used to pray kind of repetitively. It was like a mantra, a meditation type mantra. And, and it said something along the lines of earth below me, sky above me, life within me, love surrounds me. And the idea behind that prayer is, is what Chris was talking about, is just being, just being present. And I, I was talking to my, my sister Abby this week about what life is all about and that, that life is chaos and entropy is all around us all the time. And, and, and all of our dreams and all of our ambitions and all of our own kingdoms are, are, are going to collapse and fail one day. And, and how every single person you know is going through a hard time. There's, there's, there, there, there's phases of life where you may not feel that way, but for the most part... When you, when you get to know people, you find out every person is in a battle, every person is in a struggle. And there's something really beautiful about these kingdom come moments. You know, Jesus said when, that the way to pray is to pray that thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's almost like, it's, it's almost the idea that bringing the kingdom of God into our everyday moments is the best that life gets, is it, to have those encounters with Jesus, those encounters with God. And, and I think it's, it's wise counsel and wise advice that you separate yourself, that you, that you schedule some time, that you get away, that you go for a walk. There's an old uh, Christian record label called Five Minute Walk. And the idea behind that was that every day you just take five minutes and go walk and be with Jesus. And, and there's just something about recognizing the earth below you and the sky above you and the breath and the life that's in your lungs and feeling the love of God surround you. And so, Chris, thank you so much for what you had to share with us today. It's important, and uh, we appreciate your transparency and, and your words. Thank you.